really blessed already, haven't we? Um, this morning, I want to start a, a new series uh, on on God, and it's supernatural living in the natural world in which we live is what we want to look at this morning. And uh, our scripture is in Romans chapter 6. And so, uh, turn with me there. And we'll ask when you find that, stand in God's honor. And I'm going to read the first 18 verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you're not under the law, under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a world that is hurting. A world where defeat is everywhere. Where people are broken. And you have supplied hope, God. That's what the cross is about. It's about hope and the resurrection, victory. And Father, I pray this morning that as you speak to us, Lord, that we would hear your call, that we would hear your voice, and that we would simply turn your direction, and that we would say yes to your voice, to the prompting of your spirit, whatever that may be, O oh God. Um, Father, I am weak, but I am yours. And I pray for your filling. I pray for your anointing. I pray that I would not stumble over my efforts to speak, but that you would speak and that we would hear. And 
Lord, uh, we love you. We thank you for what you have done so far. And Father, I don't want to get in the way of that, Lord. So I pray you speak. In your name we ask this. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 4.13, we often quote uh, 4.12 that talks about the word of God's living and active, you know, sharper than any double-edged sword. But 4.13 is also an interesting verse. It says, nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. I tell you where victorious living starts. It begins with a recognition of God. It begins when we no longer leave God out, when we ignore God, when we act as if He doesn't exist, but when we come to the understanding that He is God and that He loves us and that we must bow our hearts to Him instead of expecting Him to bow to us. That's where it starts. Uh, Let me give you an example of this. Uh, A couple of years ago, north of San Diego, in a place called Oceanside, two highway patrolmen sat with a radar gun pointed trying to catch some speeders. And all of a sudden, the, hay, the, the radar gun went crazy. It went up to 300 and above, and they didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, it just locked up, and the radar gun cut off. And then there was this rumble as this uh, United States Marine Corps uh, Hornet uh, Warcraft plane flew over the treetops where they were. And... Uh, Man, the patrolmen were really upset. They went back to the office and they filed a complaint with the Marine Corps. There was a base nearby which the fighter had flown out of. And, and so they filed this complaint about, you know, about cutting off their radar gun. And they got this letter back from the United States Marine Corps uh, that I want to read to you. Thank you for your letter. You may be interested to know that the tactical computer in the Hornet had detected the presence of and subsequently locked on to your hostile radar equipment (laughs) and automatically sent a jamming signal back to it, which is why it shut down. Furthermore, an air-to-ground missile aboard the fully armed aircraft had also automatically logged on to your equipment location. Fortunately, the Marine pilot flying the Hornet recognized the situation for what it was quickly responded to the missile system alert status and was able to override the automated defense system before the missile was launched to destroy the hostile radar position. The pilots suggest you cover your mouths when cussing at them since the video systems on these jets are very high-tech. Sergeant Johnson, the officer holding the radar gun, should get his dentist to check his left rear molar. It appears the filling is loose. Also, the snap is broken on his holster. They were there. They had the radar girl pointed. They were in charge, waiting for those who break the law of the speedsters. But suddenly, this aircraft, higher than they were, one more powerful than they were, more advanced, was really in charge. We think that we're in charge. We think that we're in control. But guys, we're not. There is a living God, the God of all. And the quicker we understand that He is God, and the quicker we bow our hearts to Him, the better off we'll be. Just because we don't understand Him doesn't mean that He's God. It doesn't mean He's not in charge or He doesn't exist. He loves us, 
And He walks with us. And we need to bow our hearts to Him instead of expecting Him to bow to us. As I come to this message on victorious living, um, it's mostly aimed at those of us who are already God's children, who have already bowed our hearts to Him. You become a child of God by placing your confidence, your faith, in Jesus Christ and His perfect work that was done when He was crucified on an old rugged cross, placed in a tomb, but He didn't stay there. He was raised to life, and He ended up going back to the heavenlies where He sits at the right hand of the Father. And He is the one who is our hope. He is the one who is the perfect sacrifice that pro- that provides a way for us to reach God and be properly connected and right in right relationship with a living God. It's about Christ. And, 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 and so the bulk of this message is on, on those who have, have come to grips with that, who have said, yes, God, you have provided the perfect way, and I have bowed my heart there. But here's the issue. Are you living in that victory? Are you, are you living in the victory He provides, or, or are you still a slave to life as it was before you met Jesus? Back in the 19th century, our 16th president, he was burdened. Because as he looked around him, he saw many men that he respected and that he loved who had fought to make the United States a a land of the free. But there was one problem. Some of these very leaders that that he loved and he respected, they had slaves. They owned people. And Abraham Lincoln was burdened by that. And thus we know as history unfolded, there was a war. And ultimately at one point came what he wrote as we know as the Emancipation Proclamation. And there came that day when the slaves were freed. There came that announcement that slavery was over. That no one could own a human being in the United States of America. There's only one problem. Do you know how long it took for, for that to be enacted in many of the plantations? Although, although that command was given, although that proclamation was made, in many places it took up to three years for the slaves to leave the plantations. Maybe some of you have heard the stories. They didn't have radio. They didn't have television. The word passed very slowly. Uh, Most of them could not read, so they didn't hear the news from the plantation owners. So they continued to stay on the plantation. They continued to work in the fields. They continued to miss the freedom that was theirs. I tell you, there's another great tragedy. And that's in the body of Christ. How many of God's people have been set free by Jesus Christ and His sacrifice and His love, but are still living in the old plantation. Still suffering to uh, the, an old master who no longer has control and rule over our lives. How many? Uh, this morning, as we look at Romans chapter 6, I want to uh, look at three words that we find in this chapter, I think, that speak clearly to uh God's freedom and how He wants us to live in that freedom. The first is the word know that we find in verse 3, verse 6, and verse 9. And then in verse 11, we're going to look at the word count. 
And then down in verse 13, the word offer. As we start out, we want to look at uh, the word no. And, and let, let me just share here uh, for a minute. He, he starts out in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Your house, if you belong to God, is under new management. Not to live under the domination and the control of sin any longer, but to be set free to live according to the grace that was brought forth when Jesus won it at Calvary. You see, that that's the call, the freedom that He has for us. And the question is, as we pop down to verse 60, do you know? Do you know? Look, look three times here. Look at, uh, as we look here, 6, verse 3, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Drop down to verse um, 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 9, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. Three times we find that word, no. To know, to recognize, to, 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 to take to heart, and to gain a, an understanding, a perspective, a truth. Do you, do you know that? Do you know that Jesus lives in your life? And I guess I have to start there because maybe there's someone here who has never come to that conclusion. You know about church. You have an affiliation with a church, a connection with a, a particular church, whether it's Kingsway or maybe somewhere else. But the question ultimately is not a connection with the church. It's a connection with Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. Because that's where it starts. It starts with recognizing a holy God in His way is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It, it comes there. That's the knowledge. But once we bow our hearts to Christ, once we receive Him, then we're called to live in the freedom that He provides in that grace. I love in the uh, Phillips translation, he says, uh, you know, should we go on sinning that grace may increase? Well, in the Phillips translation, he says, what a ghastly thought. I like that. What a ghastly thought. What a ghastly thought that the one who died for us, the one who set us free, sits back and watches us ignore Him day after day. And not follow him. That's not his desire. That's guys. That's not his pleasure. That's not what he wants. I want to read to you from a, the message, which is a paraphrase. And as we go through the passage here, I want to read from parts of it because what Eugene Peterson does is, uh, you know, he takes a paraphrase. It's not straight from the translation, but he puts it more in our culture and more in our terms, and it connects with us. So listen to these first couple of verses the way it is in the message. He says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That's what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism in the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. 
Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Isn't that good? Let me go on here a little bit. He says, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. Amen. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. I like that. The end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him. But alive, He brings God down to us. Man, that's good. That's good stuff. I love the way that's, that's worded. I love the way that's expressed. And God wants us to, to live in His power, guys. To know His victory. Too often we run around as if we're victims. But the Bible proclaims you have the resurrected Jesus and His power lives in you. That same resurrection power. We're not victims. We're victors. And God wants us to live in that victory. Wants us to catch hold of His blessings. And live in the joy that He, that he gives. To, to look at Him from that perspective. To know who you are. And to know what He's done. And to know what He's given to you. And whose you are. To know that. To know that. Chuck Swindoll used an example. Uh, to share how we can live with Jesus. Uh, he, he uses an example. You've been on these uh, mountain roads that have curves. I mean, real curves. I remember one time I was up in the mountains and I saw this curve sign. I could not believe that thing because it wasn't just a curve. That thing came all the way back around. I said, my gracious, the road done touched itself. How's that happen? Anyway, Swindoll says, imagine you're on this crazy curve on this dangerous mountainside. And you got two choices. You can you can build a clinic, you can build a hospital below the mountain because when people come speeding around there, they're going to come down there and they're going to need a hospital. They're going to need to be patched up. So you can put a clinic at the bottom of that hill when they go off the cliff. And there's the hospital. Things are good. Or you can put up a sign that says "Dangerous Curve." Slow down. We got a choice, man. We can look at the sign. Danger up ahead. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to see the sign, the Bible, the Scriptures. Give the words on the sign. But provide the sign to slow down, to trust Christ, to walk with Him, to follow His Spirit. That's the sign. Or we can just go over the cliff and, and man, get banged up, beat up, and say, well, just patch me up, Jesus. Heal me up. But what are we going to choose? Man, to me, it seems much better, much more joy in life to follow the sign instead of have to go to the hospital. God loves you. God wants to heal you. He doesn't want to punish you. But man, there's consequences that happen when we leave God out. When we don't go His way, we suffer, and we've got to be patched up, and we've got to be healed up. Uh, much more of a joy to follow Him. Now, it talks about here, to know it, it talks about the baptism. Notice there, in verse 4, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. And then it talks about, and then we were raised to life. Baptism, that word um, used in that day often spoke of the die maker who would, he, he would die a piece of fabric and change its very identity according to the wishes of, of, the, of the owner. 
And so the picture is that to be baptized with Jesus is to take on a new identity, to be changed into a new likeness, which is the likeness of Christ. So that's what we're to know. Uh, Let's look at the next word here. Um, Count yourself dead to sin. Look at verse 11. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, The word count here is an accounting term. It speaks of the fact of numbers that are accurate, that can be trusted, that are definite, uh, that you can bank on. It's a term I used as I thought about this. He says, bank on the fact that the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient to cover your full sin. Bank on the fact that the death and resurrection of Christ is adequate enough to empower you through every circumstances and to give you victory. Bank on it. Let me read on uh, through here in the in the text here. Uh, verse 11 in the message, he says, From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Let me go on here. Um, That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Amen. Don't. I like that. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Know who you are in Christ. Know His sacrifice. Second, count it as a truth. Get that perspective. Man, let's get our perspective. Let's get our minds. Let's get our understanding in line with the living God with what He has promised, with what He has given. Let's change our way of thinking so that it lines up with God. Let's live in victory instead of always go across those victims for me because He's provided the victory. That's the way we're to live. Um, J. Vernon McGee. J. Vernon McGee. And that guy, you know, what a gifted preacher. Um, McGee had a story he loved to tell as he traveled around on this passage in Romans 6. It's in his commentary. He says that there was this lady who, in the deep south, and she was happily married, loved her husband, but he tragically died of a heart attack. And she grieved. Oh, how she missed him. So she did the only thing she could do. She had him embalmed, set him in his favorite chair, encased him in glass, and set him at the front door of their their big home. So that whenever she walked in the door, there sat old John. And she'd say, Hey, John. Now, he didn't talk back, okay, but, but she'd see him and she'd come in. Well, this went on for a number of months. Finally, uh, as the grief started to um, subside a little, she decided to go on a trip to Europe. And while she was over in Europe, this handsome guy who was also an American over there visiting, and they fell in love, swept her off her feet, and there was this whirlwind romance. She... She was so happy. I mean, at the end of this whirlwind romance, they ended up in Paris. They got married. They decided to come home and live in her home. There's only one problem. She hadn't told him about old John. 
So he, you know, he picks her up. He's going to carry his bride over the threshold into the house. He walks in the door and you know what he does? He sees old John, drops her right on the floor. He says, who is that? And she said, well, well, that's my old husband. That's that's John, my old man. He says, well, well he, he's got to go. So he says, it went out in the yard, got, got him a backhoe, dug a big hole, glass case and all, put him in the ground and buried him. And uh, McGee goes on to say, in Christ, the old man, the old nature that once had domination over us is no longer in control. Buried with Christ by baptism, we are raised to walk in newness of life. That's what it tells us in Romans 6, 4. And, and, and so we need to bury that old way of life that had control, that had domination over us and in place follow Christ. Place follow Christ. One more. Um, Offer yourself to Christ. Look at verse 13 here in uh, Romans 6. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. There is a command to offer, some translations to present. Basically to say, okay God, here I am. Every part of me, from head to toe, inside and out, is yours. God, I, I give myself to you. I trust in you. I don't have the answers. I don't understand fully. I am weak, I am frail, but I offer myself to you, God. You see, that's what it's about. And it's not that there's no battle. That'd be a lie to tell you there's no battle. Of course, there's a battle. There is still a battle that rages within us. There's temptations that we fight. But the truth of the matter is, we don't have to succumb to those temptations. We don't have to live fully in defeat. Because that's what Calvary's about. He defeated that. He set us free to live in that. We don't have to be trapped by that. We don't have to to follow that type of bondage. Uh, let me go on here in the in the messages. He uh, he says uh, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected to the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead. Into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do, but thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose command set you free to live openly in his freedom. A new master. When you see a military commander often talking to a civilian, 
he addresses him with great respect. He says, how are you today, sir? But now those who are under him in the military, those who are under his command, he's not quite so gracious and submissive. Why is that? Because they are under his command. They are under his subordination. They are under his rule. Whereas the civilian is not. Guys, Jesus has set you free. You are not trapped beneath the control of sin any longer. God has freed you. Matter of fact, I, I want us to just practice this. We, need, you know, sometimes we need to hear our own voices. So I thought of this. So what I, I want us to say together a couple of times. I don't know. It's short, so we can do it a couple of times. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. So let, let's try that together. You ready? I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. A couple more times. It's easy. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. Man, do you hear it? It's true. That's that's the call. That's the call. Um, We're to change our thinking. Now, to be... He goes on down here in verse 15, and in the first verse, when he, he talks about to stop sinning because, man, when you sin, grace increases. He's going to forgive you, but don't, don't take that grace for granted. In verse 15, he talks about being slaves to the law, being, being under a bondage of legalism. And he says, don't let that occur either. Be free from that. Um, I wanted to read to you another quote from the same guy that wrote the message. This is in his book, Traveling Light, where he talks about living under grace instead of legalism. Guys, he's called us to be free, to love him. In other words, don't expect me to tell you everything to do in your spiritual life. Well, the pastor has all the answers. Man, I don't even know what I'm doing sometimes. Like Lydia said this morning, it's like, God help me. I'm just so weak. And and he wants you to search the Scriptures out. He wants you to pray. He wants you to be with His people. He wants you to trust Him. You can't depend on any of the rest of us. You depend on Him. See, that's what it's about. Anyway, I want to read to you. This is from uh, Peterson. He says, There are people who do not want us to be free. They do not want us to be free before God, accepted just as we are by His grace. They don't want us to be free to express our faith originally and creatively in the world. They want to control us. They want to use us for their own purposes. They themselves refuse to live artlessly and openly in faith, but they huddle together with a few others and try to get a sense of approval by insisting we all look alike, talk alike, act alike, thus validating one another's worth. They try to enlarge the numbers only on the condition that new members in their group act and talk and behave the way they do. Without being aware of it, We become anxious about what others think about us, about what they think we should do. We no longer live the good news, but anxiously try to memorize and recite the script someone else has assigned to us. In such an event, we may be momentarily secure, but we won't be free. We may survive as a religious community, but we will not experience what it means to be alive in hope. Hey guys, that's... I guess as we come to what we call response invitation, two things here. Number one, uh, as we started out with the fighter plane and the you know the letter, there is 
someone above us who's beyond us who we need to recognize. The living God. And His way is through Jesus. There's no other way. And I'd be amiss if I didn't say, you can trust Him. You can turn to Him. Matter of fact, if if you know you hear a message and Jesus is left out of it, man, that's wrong. It's always about Jesus. And, and so we have a chance for you to respond. Maybe you just need to say yes to Jesus and, and bow your heart before him and say, forgive me, God, I receive the way of Jesus as the way to heaven, the way to hope, the way to a new day. Um, and and if, you, if you've done that, God's spoken to your heart. Uh, in a minute, we have an invitation. love for you to come and, and to pray with me and, and to share with the people that, that God's doing that. Secondly, um, to live free. Man, I am not all about you guys. Well, I can't imagine you guys wanting to be like me. But <laughs> I'm not about us being clones. God's made us all different, but that's good. But I want us to live in Him. See, there's something really beautiful like puzzle pieces coming together to form the puzzle when God's people discover that they're being who God made them all for the glory of God and it comes together and He does a great work and we shout hallelujah and worship and praise Him and as we said a couple times, have church. That that happens. and uh, So that's my second prayer. Maybe God's gotten a hold of your heart and He says, I want you to be free. Maybe speaking to you. We have an altar to come. Maybe there's other needs. Whatever. We want to be open to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to have a word of prayer. Jeff will come up and lead us in a song. And stand, sing, and let's respond. Lord, uh, thank you for uh, a day to be together. We've had a good day, Lord. It's not over. What do you want to do in our lives? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, may we listen. May we come. May we respond. What do you want to do, Lord? Do you want someone to experience your saving grace for the first time this morning and say, Jesus, come live in my heart and forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Is there someone here that's really burdened and under legalism and says, I want to be free. I want to be free in Christ. And Father, may that happen. Uh, Lord, just have your way.